1: Welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport. I'm John Norman and alongside me, Jared Kimber, for a preview to the first bit of cricket action in quite a while. Pause for a moment because, yes, that's right, cricket's back. And even more excitingly, so are we. Every day of the West Indies series, uh, myself and Jared will be bringing you our take on the day's events. We won't be telling you stuff uh, that you already know. By the time you listen know the score, you know who took the wickets and who scored the runs, so instead of dissecting that, we'll bring you a little light-hearted relief, focusing on the moments that that made up the day, finding humour in the humdrum and generally larking around. So if moments, stories, shots, balls, lols and anodyne press conference moments in the day are your thing, and you like hearing uh, an Aussie tell you what's really going on with the England cricket team, then the following on podcast is for you. So, Jared, the last time we were at a test match together involving West Indies and England was in February last year. It was in St. Lucia. Mark Wood had just bowled uh, ridiculously fast. England had won. But the Windies had taken the series. And we were on the outfield watching Steve Harmison and Darren Goff take selfies with the fans. And I, I just looked at you for a minute and I caught you having a little moment of quiet reflection. You know, a guy that grew up in Australia just as uh, the Great West Indies side was coming to a close, the Caribbean being uh, so famous for watching cricket. And you hadn't just watched a series of cricket, you'd been, you'd been paid to work on a series. And it just seemed to me that you were having a, a moment of quiet reflection, just looking back at a job well done. So as we approach the start of another series between these two teams, do you feel just as moved?
0: No. No. <laughs> I think that was, yeah, it was an incredible moment. I think I texted my mate to say, isn't it great that people in England are sending me around the world to watch England lose in test matches? Uh, Which I may have sent him after the uh, Pretoria test (laughs) as well. I think I might have just copied and pasted the message and sent it back to him. Uh, No, it was an incredible moment. This is, I'm still not overly happy with the fact that we're playing cricket at this time. I think that there are far more important things in the world at the moment than uh, you know, diverting medical resources uh, to uh, spending your money on on things like this. I understand that uh, people need the industry back, and people are desperate for uh, to uh, You know, change their boredom, if you will, and uh, you know, get excited about things. But I find it hard to get too excited about something that I don't think should be happening. I mean, it's a bit like the, you, you watch the NBA players at the moment, and. Some of them are getting together and saying, "Is this really the time for a bunch of young black men to parade uh, in an unsafe work environment for the entertainment of the masses?" And I kind of feel the same with the West Indians. That, you know, some of these guys come from islands that have you know lower overall population than the death toll in the UK. So, look, I, I, am I missing cricket? Obviously, will I watch it and become incredibly nerdy about it and have you know strident opinions about it? I mean, undoubtedly, but. I don't have that same emotional move because I just feel like we sh- it, this shouldn't be happening. Um, it, it won't stop me watching it because, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, it's cricket and I've been watching far more random events like the Vanuatu crickets and, and, and uh, European club cricket. So I'll obviously watch it. But yeah, it, it's a, maybe I have a different kind of emotional pull towards it at the moment, which is slightly in the other, uh, other way. I mean, that might all be changed when Rakeem Cornwall takes 7 for 12.
1: Oh, yeah, or well, Roston Chase again. Um, <laughs> look, we're going to be splitting up the, the podcast into sections as we did uh, last year throughout the World Cup and the Ashes. Uh, moment of the day will be uh, where we usually kick things off in terms of moments and in terms of what you're talking about. Um, the Black Lives Matter uh, mm-hmm. movement, for want of a better word, over the last few weeks has dominated uh, the narrative. Both teams taking the knee, planning to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, trying to separate themselves from the politics of it all, not too sure uh, <laughs> how. Good, um, good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I suppose that'll be a moment, will it? Or um, do we need a little bit more than just chat and and, and moments to tackle this kind of situation? It's uh, We need to move on from that and actually affect real change. And that is actually something that the ECB are holding their hands up to in terms of the administrative side of things. It's not just about getting England... Um, black England players again, and we do have a few, but it's also getting it within the, 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 uh, within the business that actually runs cricket in this country.
0: Hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting. I've been having a lot of chats with my wife about this and, and I look, I think it's great that they're going to take a knee and that they're going to wear the um, black lives matter logo. Um, but realistically, uh, for, well the entire time I've lived in England, so what I've been here for 13 years and I think a lot longer, uh, these uh, people from the, from the Caribbean have been allowed to leave the game and they haven't been chased and uh, they've gone to football and, and a lot of them play basketball as well over in the UK and uh, athletics and other sorts of sports. Rugby, it, bizarrely. Rugby's been another big movement. So, it's ridiculous to me that these people who grew up with you know parents and grandparents absolutely obsessed with cricket have been allowed to move away from the game and it's a, it's a real problem with the ECB and I I think you're right that obviously there needs to be a lot more that can be done i mean if you were to employ um a, a lot of the a lot of the coaches now that that's a really good step people don't feel i mean i'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here john but mm-hmm. if you watch the film bend it like beckham I think you actually get a very good understanding of what it is like to be an alien inside a sporting culture. Uh, When she first goes into the locker room, when she goes into the sort of semi-professional feeling of that, you actually, it's actually, it's quite a saccharine sweet film, isn't it? But those couple of moments, you do realize that she's a real outsider. I've talked to um, cricketers who feel that way in the UK set up and and we know that that happens. If there aren't coaches, if there aren't selectors, if there aren't administrators um, that look like them, they feel like they are the other and and it has to come from that. And on the other side of it, you have the West Indian cricketers who feel like they are consistently having to prove themselves. I mean, they've been one of the most innovative cricket cultures on earth and yet still they probably don't get the credit that they deserve. Uh, you know, we, we talk about their sort of raw athleticism quite a lot, but we don't talk about the fact that they revolutionized. Well, Kemar Roach is currently revolutionizing how we bowl to left-handers in Test Match Cricket in a way that I've never seen before. Um, and it's not getting the, the credit it would if it was another player for, you know, Stuart Broad is not even doing it as much as Kemar Roach. So... I think that they, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of ways that we can help the game, but I think symbolism does matter and it will make, it will mean a lot to a lot of people out there to see this. And it, especially because it's both teams, I think it is important. But you're right. I mean, if this is all they ever do, then this won't solve the problems within English cricket. And hopefully this uh, continues the conversation and people continue to move forward. And I think it's a great thing for cricket.
1: So let's go back to the cricket then, because I think one of the most exciting things about a Test series is the amount of different stories and narratives that you know are going to is going to come from the series itself. <clears throat> you know, will Mark Wood play ahead of Stuart Broad? Will he bowl faster than Jofra Archer? Or what will that match up between Jofra Archer and some of his former teammates uh, be like? Uh, will England? Um, um, Face a selection conundrum when Joe Denley and Zach Crawley both score hundreds in the first Test match and Joe Root's got to come in. I mean, there's so much going on here. Um, What are the, the, if you could pick out one story from either side, um, which one are you most looking forward to seeing how it plays out?
0: Oh, that's a good one. I I think it's for West Indies, it's the bowlers. I don't think, I mean, basically since Walsh and Ambrose left, I can't think of them ever arriving in a country where they have a better bowling attack, you know, more suited to the conditions. They know the juke balls because they use them at home. They've got, you know, swing bowlers and skillful bowlers. They have tall bowlers. They've hit the deck guys. They have quicks if they want them. got an incredible sort of attack that they can bring together um, you know, and we know that their batting is uh, weak. And uh, I mean, a lot of people that maybe if you don't follow West Indies cricket that carefully, you, you'll remember Shy Hope and Craig Brathwaite making those runs at Headingley. You do follow West Indies uh, cricket quite carefully. You remember that might be the last time they made runs, those two. So it is a, you know, it, they're not going to be able to pin too much of their hopes in the batting. Although you do hope that they'll rise up. West Indies have this incredible... Um, what what would you say this ability to find an extra gear when they play england you know there's that 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 sort of colonial drag they really want to prove that they can play when they play england and it is great but it's their bowling that is already ready to, to do something there. And Kemar Roach is phenomenal, and he'll be almost unplayable to the left-handers from, the, from England. Uh, Alzari Joseph is such a skillful bowler. We, we haven't really seen much of him since he destroyed England in in Antigua. So it'd be great to see more more of them. So that's the, the West Indies side of things. The England side of things, I, I think it's maybe perhaps more to do with the batting uh, of just of how many of these guys are really up to it. I think they did very well against what was a subpar South African team. Now what are they going to do when the pressure is on them and they're facing a really good bowling uh, lineup? And uh, I really, I do, I'm really interested in, in a bunch of these guys. You know, the the new Dom Sibley that we're hearing so much about. You know, Denley faced hundred balls again in the warm up the other day. You know, right, right on skill, uh, right on his skill sets there. And um, Zach Crawley, you know, is Zach Crawley the real deal? Really interesting to see all these sorts of guys in a, what is going to be. I mean, this is going to be a very interesting series in that usually there is so much cricket being played, not everyone in the world watches it. Everyone in the world is going to be watching this, which is a completely different thing for a lot of these guys. And weirdly, uh, it'll be everyone in the world will be watching it and no one will be at the ground watching it. Uh,
1: in terms of lol of the day, and this is a feature or a section of the show we do every day, we, we never have um, a problem, whether it's David Warner dropping a catch or... Joffre Archer riding one of those Segway things, or whatever it is. Last year, it was it was just was so much lol moment. Um, am I being unkind to suggest that maybe the lull moment, for a lot of people who aren't familiar with West Indies cricket, may come when a man you've already mentioned, Rakeem Cornwall, takes to the field?
0: Look, I mean, uh, I, I know him quite well, obviously. I worked with him in St Lucia, and he's a sweet guy. I think he is an incredible cricket brain he's still quite young um and he's such a talent like he is I mean I've told him this I said you are a million dollar IPL talent and there's nothing that you can't do unfortunately you know it hasn't come to get get for him largely because he is ginormous and he's ginormous in every way I remember the first time my wife saw him in real life she said he's actually big like his head is big His shoulders are big. His hands are big. If you look at him from a distance, right, if he's far enough back, he doesn't look like a big guy because everything is in proportion. It's just when he's up close, you realize all of those proportions are huge. But this guy has, I mean, his talents are bigger than his body. He is a genuine frontline bowler in test cricket. Uh, He's got a bit of a weird off-spinning technique, but because of his height and his power and his strength, He's so hard to play, especially for left-handers. So hard to play. And then you've got his his batting. I'm not even sure where he will end up batting in test cricket. I think that for West Indies to win, Dowrich probably has to bat at six, Holder has to bat at seven, and Cornwall has to bat at eight. I don't think they're going to do that because I don't think Holder wants to bat at seven. But realistically, if you had those three um, starring in the middle order and then you have a genuine five-man bowling attack, they are phenomenal. But Rakeem Cornwall is... He, he's an incredible figure. I remember... Being at Beckenham, our, our local ground, John, being at Beckenham watching uh, West Indies A Indie Raid because, you know, that's the kind of guy I am and I'm there. And everyone is literally looking at him just going, he just does, he looks like a, an otherworldly presence. And I said, wait till you guys see him bat. And of course, he came out and smashed the ball everywhere. Uh, He's just a a brilliant talent. And, uh, you know, it's almost unfair to, to focus on his physicality. But if you've never seen him before, it's impossible not to focus on it because he is an absolute giant. I cannot wait. I mean, my wife worked at
1: the Venetian in Macau a few years back. Uh, the Venetian is uh, obviously more famous for as the casino in Las Vegas. That's what Macau is also based upon. Um, essentially, though, the Venetian in Macau is the fifth largest building in the world, and it's so big It's that when you when you first see it, so say you're walking. I was going to meet her after work. I'd see the Venetian, and you'd think, "Oh, there's a the Venetian. I'm nearly there." And then you're walking for another 45 minutes and you're still no closer. You can still see it. It's just there, but it's so far away. Um, I'll bear that in mind when I do my first interview with uh, Rakeem Cornwall. Just, I won't get the microphone <laughs> out until I can, uh, I can touch him. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. What are we expecting to happen, then, in this series? Um, actually, before I ask you that question, so, obviously... You've already only, asked me. There's No, there's only been... Uh, the West Indies played two warm-up games and England have played one. In your... Um, which suit will find getting up to speed the easier? The batsmen or the bowlers, when you consider how little cricket has been played? And do you think that, in itself, will... Um, lend itself to where this the result of this series is going to go?
0: I would have thought that had this been a normal cricket series, we would still have a situation where the batsmen would struggle in this series. I can't imagine that the batsmen are going to be any better prepared uh, than, than normal. You might find that bowlers struggle in third and fourth spells just because you know those sorts of miles are not in their legs. I wouldn't think they would struggle in their first or second spells though. So If that's the case, we know both teams have quite fragile top orders. Uh, England perhaps showed some great signs in in South Africa, but I'm still definitely not sold on their top order. West Indies, I'd I'd love for them to come back and and, and play the way that they did the last time, or certainly they did in Headingley. I'm not sold on them either. So I expect both top orders to struggle a little bit, but both middle orders are actually a little bit stronger. So it it will be a very interesting side of things you would expect that the bowlers should be a little bit fresher. I mean, the thing is you and I know this bowlers basically carry injuries and niggles into almost every game they play other than Shannon Gabriel. I don't think there's a bowler in either side that should be carrying any, they should be a hundred percent fully fired and focused and ready to go. Shouldn't they? So if that's the case and they're, they're both good at bowling with the Dukes uh, and they're both highly skillful, uh, good luck being a batsman would be my, my, my first uh, thought also, And this maybe goes more towards the West Indies. The West Indies played England at the Aegeus Bowl. Is that what it's called now? I just want to check. I'm still getting the name right. Uh, The Aegeus Bowl in the World Cup. And England uh, decided, and slightly different because, you know, it was a one-dayer. They bowled very fast and very short at them and really went at the jugular of the West Indies there. And other than Nicholas Puran, I didn't think the West Indians completely handled that very well. I would expect the West Indies to struggle a little bit again, especially if it's going to be grey and over and overcast, which it will be. I mean, we're talking about all this like we're going to get cricket. We don't even know how much cricket we're going to get after all of this, <laughs> which will be the most England way to uh, restart cricket ever.
1: Well, there's a the lull of the day. It's that, the weather will be lull of the day, day one. Cornwall, lull day two. And England getting bowled out for 76 will be the lull <laughs> on day three. Uh, Jared, really looking forward to to, uh, to just doing this again and talking about cricket. Um, it's uh, it's back. It's been a few months. It's been, it's been like when I was growing up, when cricket actually played in normal seasons and you get to February and you'd have to wait for three or four months before it came back again. Um, less is more, people. Less is more. Uh, Jared, chat to you tomorrow. Uh, Thank you for joining me, Uh, Jared. uh, We'll be back on the Following On podcast. We will be back after every day's play, even if it rains all day. Don't care. (laughs) We're going to come on and we're going to talk cricket. Uh, You can follow, you can subscribe, you can listen, you can download on ACOS, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, you name it. But you're listening to the Following On podcast from TalkSport.